0: Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Well, since you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, where we left off in verse 21. And remember, Jesus was in the midst of teaching parables to the multitude and then explaining them to his disciples. And as we'll look at the other parables today, we'll notice these are kingdom parables, uh, the kingdom of God parables. And remember, a parable is... A spiritual truth set alongside a daily truth of living, and you know, something that would be known to those who would be hearing what Jesus said. He would be giving them an illustration, a picture. And but before we get to that, let's just chew on for a minute the kingdom of God. Uh, You know, throughout the gospels, we read how the disciples asked Jesus about the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God would come. And you know, as we'll see, Jesus shared many parables about the kingdom of God, um, but I, I found this definition which I liked: uh, the kingdom of God is the introduction of God's rule and reign from heaven into human history in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, and essentially, we have three different kingdoms. We have one kingdom. The world, right? The world, the, the kingdom around us. This includes our, our whole planet. It includes our jobs, our friends, our bodies. We're all part of this, this kingdom and this world that, we're, that we live in. It's, it's marked by corruption, wickedness, greed, disappointment, um, because that kingdom, the kingdom of this world, is a kingdom that's controlled by the enemy, our adversary, the devil, Satan. But that doesn't take away that God is sovereign, amen? God is absolutely 100% sovereign. He is in control. We know the direction that this world is going in. And so Satan has his agenda, and this is nothing new. You know, Satan just didn't show up at COVID, right? We understand that. It's just things were more exposed, but... Satan's agenda is always, always has been, and always will be destruction and distraction from fulfilling God's will. And that includes believers. We understand that non believers are sons of disobedience, but believers, the enemy can distract us from fulfilling God's will in our lives. That doesn't mean you, you, you lose your salvation. I'm not talking that. But to be in the center of God's will, we can be distracted of being in God's will and accomplishing God's will. That's the, that's the, the world kingdom. And then we have the kingdom of, to come, which is the literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, where he will be in his rightful place. In Daniel, it speaks of the God of heaven who will set up a kingdom, never be destroyed. And we believe that kingdom is yet future. We believe that kingdom comes after the seven-year tribulation, right? And we believe that uh, Jesus will be on the throne. He's on the throne now, but he will be on the throne in his rightful place, ruling the nations. It's a kingdom of no pain, no sorrow, no tears, no suffering, a kingdom of beauty, perfection, ultimate satisfaction. And then there's also the kingdom within. Remember when Jesus came to this earth, he said, the the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so there's there's this kingdom that Jesus came. And remember, the the Jews were, were waiting, God's people were waiting for the Messiah to come to set up the kingdom. Jesus came, but it was a different kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom where Christ desires to rule in the hearts and reign as king in our hearts. And so Jesus is going to point these parables out, these, you know, essentially manuals for you and I to not only understand the kingdom of God and how to live in the kingdom of God, how to serve God, this is the kingdom in which we live in. Yes, we live in this world, but we live in a kingdom of God. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you live in that kingdom. And it's our purpose, it's our purpose to be followers of Christ, for him to be the king of our hearts and to serve him. That's God's purpose. You know, sometimes we think, well, we gotta go find out God's purpose in life. We've got to do all this different, all these different things. And you no. Know, We're disciples of Jesus. We follow Jesus. We're obedient to Jesus. That's the will of God. Everything else falls into place. We don't need to go anywhere. We don't need to Google it. Right? Don't Google what the will of God is for your life. Who knows what will come up? Especially with AI. I told you a couple months ago, didn't I? That there's going to be sermons coming from AI. It happened. It happened before I said anything. wow it's scary absolutely it's scary okay so let's dive in here let's pray first father we thank you for your word and oh lord we we thank you for where we are in your word Uh, lord we certainly are living in these days that uh, your return is imminent for for your church but nothing has changed it over two thousand years you have called people to follow you you have called us into a wonderful relationship with you. you called us into the kingdom of God. And Lord, we constantly (laughs) have to intentionally be taught in how to live in your kingdom because we know the enemy, he distracts us. Uh, we (laughs) left to ourselves, we distract ourselves, Lord. And so, Lord, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, remind us of your goodness today, teach us your truths that each one of us need to hear this morning, that we might draw closer to you, Lord, that we can cry out and sing hallelujah. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's pick up in verse 21 that says of of Mark chapter 4, Also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So again, we have to remember the context, right? No matter where you are in the Scriptures, you've got to know the context. The context here, Jesus was teaching the parable of the soils, and if you go back to verse 11, we get the ultimate context. He said there, of of chapter 4, and he said to them, that them being the disciples, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parable. So the context here is the kingdom of God. And remember Jesus taught the different soils or the different hearts that receive the word. And now he's pointing to here uh, the parable of revealing light. And he's saying here, the kingdom of God is like a lamp. And it's not like a a lamp that you turn on today, like a, with a switch, with a cord connected to power. This is oil lamps, a little clay pot, oil uh, lamp. And so he's describing this as light being revealing. And the point Jesus is making is very clear. You don't take that lamp after it's lit. You don't, you don't hide it, but you want that light to expose, to reveal everything. What's the purpose of light? I didn't catch all that, but this is what I think you what you've said. Light exposes darkness. Right? Light exposes darkness. The lamp was meant to give off light, and so to put on a lampstand, and what does it do? It exposes darkness. Now, this should remind us what Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, which says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so when Jesus came, you know, certainly his, his coming in the flesh, God in the flesh, certainly a mystery, the kingdom of God being a mystery. The spiritual kingdom being a mystery, but when Jesus came, that light was essentially concealed until 30 years later, until his public ministry began. And then the light of the world. Remember Jesus in John chapter 3, where he said made the distinction between light and darkness. Jesus came to give light. Man chooses darkness again the distinction here uh, we we must understand uh, remember in first john chapter one verse five this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all so this is a truth that jesus is wanting his disciples to understand the kingdom of god is like a lamp not to be covered, but to be light, to expose darkness. Jesus came to bring forth light. And that compels you and I then, as followers of Christ, remember he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So there's a connection here with Christ being light, He's speaking to his disciples the kingdom of God because they have no idea how God is going to use them. Remember, Jesus here, he's already chosen the 12 disciples. They have no idea, but this, this speaks, doesn't it? We oftentimes pray, Lord, help us. to be. We just prayed for the students and teachers to be light to the world. What's that mean that we are light to the world? Well, the connection has to be with Jesus because he's the light of the world. The only way we can be light to the world, fulfilling what Jesus instructs us to do, is to be connected to Him. There is no fruit without Him. We can't bear light without Him. And so he's, he, you know, the gist of this, he, he, He's passing it on to them that they go scream it from the mountains. Amen? That they bring forth truth. Verse twenty. Three tells us, you know, the importance. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Remember, we talked about that last time when the Pharisees and, and the Jewish religious leaders were there. If you have ears to hear, we have to have ears to hear. And then he goes on in verse 24 then he said to them, Take heed what you hear, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from from him. The literal translation here, and the hearing, what's Jesus wanting them to hear? The understanding of what he's saying. And so he's saying, Understand what you are hearing, carefully uh, considering the Word of God. Verse 25 says, For whoever has to him more will be given. More of what? Understanding. You know, for me, it's it never gets old. It never gets old to share with people the importance of being in the Word of God. And why would I say such a thing? I'm a pastor. It better not get old. Because I think that's where the church goes off mark. Well, it's not think. I know that's where the church goes off mark. When we feel we feel like we have to do something to entertain the sheep, to maybe get them to come in or to encourage them or to entertain them in some way. See, the Word of God is very entertaining. Have you not read The Life of David? or Moses, or Abraham, or Paul, or Peter, and most certainly Jesus. The Word of God. It comes with a responsibility, though. It comes with the responsibility as we consider it um, and, and share with people the importance of being in the Word of God. And we have to be careful what we hear, even in that realm, right, of of the Word of God. We have to pay attention what we're hearing. We have to pay attention who's saying what. Because we can very easily be led astray. And how would you know if you're led astray, if you're not in the Word of God? See, too many believers today are, well, so-and-so, he said this. So-and-so says that. So it's got to be true. But we... You need to be in the word of God for yourself. You need to judge me by what I say. And you need to consider what goes in your brain and what you take in because we're responsible for it. And it's interesting. um, Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Right, you remember, it's prophetic. Living in these last days. We always want to learn about last days, right? We understand we're living in the last days before Jesus comes for his church. How important it is to have understanding from the word of God. Paul said this to young Timothy. But know this, that in the last days, peerless times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Now, you know this. This isn't referring to the world. This is believers. This is believers who will love themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of what? Truth. That's not a very popular word today, is it? Truth. I know I've shared this, but you know, 25 years or whenever it was, when I got saved, we were very well-versed. Our pastor taught us how to defend the faith and you know, how to share your faith, and by listening and, and refuting what people said of different worldviews and, and being able to do that, being equipped to do that. So we were taught how you refute Jehovah's Witnesses and, and Mormons and Hindus and Buddhism and Islam and New Age and all that stuff, but you know what? It's kind of like, all oh, that's out the window right now because truth doesn't matter. You believe what you want to believe, and there's no reasoning because there's no, there's no standard for it. And so the church has had to revamp a little bit. How do we witness to those who don't even believe in a truth, and don't even have any beliefs. What do they call themselves now, the nuns? Not the N-U-N-S, but the N-O-N-E-S, right? They don't have any beliefs. Well, that is a belief, right? That's a belief. You say you don't have belief. Was well, that an absolute that you don't have a belief? Well, we can go that route all day long, but you, you get the gist, right? How do you minister to them? With the Word of God. With truth. We're living in days where truth doesn't matter. And unfortunately, this mindset certainly entered into the church. You take away truth, what do you have? And we believe truth essentially is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When you read that... how do you picture this? A lamp? I, I told you before there's no flashlights or anything. I always pictured David with a flashlight. But it's not a flashlight. It's a lamp. And how important it is that we have a light to our path today. Amen? Because if we get off the path, there's darkness. We have to have that light to make sure we stay on the path as we live in this world of darkness. Again, there's, there, if we're not in the kingdom of God, we're in the kingdom of darkness. Well, Jesus goes on then in verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and raise I'm sorry, raised by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the then the head, after the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And so here we have the parable of the growing seed. And it's pretty straightforward. Certainly a mystery to a farmer who sows the seed, goes out and plants the seed in the ground, goes to bed, wakes up, and there is a sprouted seed. We know it's not that easy, but the meaning here is that although they certainly knew how things grew, they, they didn't know everything. From the pair of the soil, we understand the seed here. The meaning is the word of God, and as the sower, whomever it is, Goes out and sows the seed, spread the the word of God, the results are left up to the Lord. And this this is not the easiest thing to do. I know I have been guilty of sharing the gospel and so much wanting a result that you just keep on bashing them in the head with Jesus for two hours and nothing happens. You wonder why. But God's so full of grace. He teaches us. We have to experience it. And when we're witnessing and sharing, uh, when the Holy Spirit is really working or back off and let him, we leave the results in God's hand. We're to be faithful in the sowing the seed that there will be fruit, but the fruit's all his. That's why some of these ministries that they go out and they share the gospel and the next week they, count, they, they make a tally. You know, all glory to God. I don't want to condemn them, but it's not all about the numbers, is it? Praise God, it can be fruit to the Lord, but sometimes we get so focused on the numbers and analyze everything that, that we quench the Holy Spirit. Jesus, or in Isaiah 55 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what i please and it shall prosper in the thing for which i sent it and it takes faith to understand that i remember years ago we were part of a a movement that went out and intensely shared the gospel and uh, this was a learning thing for me this is where the bands and the bibles came from but just wonderful tools that i believe in not the only way but it the Lord taught me some things. And I remember the first time we went out, we were sharing with a guy, and it was going awesome, just let the Holy Spirit work, and it was great and awesome. wasn't going anywhere as far as him receiving, but you could just sense the Lord was doing something, maybe in those that were sharing. And all of a sudden, we get done, we're presenting the gospel to him, and he wants to start talking about Muhammad. I'm like, yes, this is good. And it's like the Holy Spirit, no, it's not. You're done. When we're out sowing the seed, we really do need to trust in the Holy Spirit and not what I call bulldoze. You can bulldoze people, right? And they'll remember that you're a bulldozer. And that's why it's so important that we be prayed up and then to trust in the Holy Spirit. And then there's other times that the Lord will say, you know, you're not done. You need to keep on going. But it's about trusting in in the Lord. But again, this also, as we see the seed being sown, we also, certainly applies to us as we go sow seed, but also applies to you and I, is that someone at one time shared with us, and then we began to grow, and we have a responsibility then to continue to grow in the Lord. We have the responsibility to share the word, but we also have the responsibility to take heed of the word. We have to be obedient to the word. It doesn't make any sense if we're not obedient to the word to go out and sow seed. If we're not living the lifestyle of following Christ, it doesn't make sense. It's be abnormal to be going out and sharing the gospel. We have to be obedient to the Lord, trusting in Him uh, to bring forth the fruit, a crop in us. And it's interesting here. Jesus said in verse twenty nine. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And remember in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So we are living in a season that there's a harvest. We are living in this church age that the church is to go out, sow the seed, and for those that come to Christ, that there's a harvest in that. But the harvest Jesus is more talking about is a future harvest. And we understand that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? How many believe that? How many is ready? Okay, keep your hands up. Very good. Yeah, there's going to be a great harvest, but it's not here yet. And in James chapter 7, the Lord, through his word and his Holy Spirit, remind us of how we need to be patient and persevere. James 5 7 and 8 says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain you also be patient establish your hearts for the coming of the lord is ha- for the coming of the lord is at hand do not grumble against one another brethren lest you be condemned behold the judge is standing at the door so we understand the lord desires for us just as a farmer waiting for that fruit waiting for that crop to, to bring forth that we're to be patient and to persevere and be busy sowing the seed. Amen? Verse 30 of Mark chapter 4, Jesus continued and said, Then he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. So here we have the parable of the mustard seed. And we know that Jesus frequently used the mustard seed as a symbol of faith. Remember Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, so Jesus said to them, "Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you." of you. So Jesus encouraged the disciples, were encouraged to encourage one another to have faith like a mustard seed, because we know with a little bit of faith, can accomplish a lot, right? It's the Lord doing the work by faith. But here in this parable, Jesus, again, speaking of the earthly manifestation of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is going to be like a mustard seed that grows into a huge tree. Now, those who heard this would be alarmed. Because they would understand. How many have seen a mustard seed? A, 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 a shrub, I should say. A, a tree. Here? A mustard bush shrub? No? How big How big was the one you saw? Pretty big. Okay, that's not what I wanted to hear, but okay. It was big. Okay. So I've never seen one, so I go by what I've read. This would be an issue of those alarmed at listening to Jesus at this time because it would be odd for a mustard seed to be planted and then grow into uh, you know, a big tree. My understanding is it's a shrub or a bush, usually no more than 8 to 10 feet, which is big. What's Jesus talking about here? And I quite understand that there is different views on this, but I believe this is speaking of abnormal growth of the kingdom of God. Here on earth, referring to the church. And we certainly see that the church had a very small beginning. Remember the 11 disciples and a few others saw Jesus in the upper room after the resurrection. Then you had a 120 gathered at Pentecost. And then, you know, Peter preached the gospel. The spirit of God fell. 3,000 were saved. And today there's, you know, who knows how many believers are around the world. but the super, it's supernatural, supernatural growth. When you think about how amazing it is, partakers of the divine nature, that's, that's supernatural, and chewing on that this week, how amazing is it? For one, that we're even saved. And then the church. You know, I praise the Lord for Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship every day. It's a blessing. It's, it's amazing that the Lord would use any of us. <laughs> but he does. And it's supernatural. It can only happen because God revealed himself at one time to you and to us together as a church. It's, just think of the... We sing about this one, the, the treasure of salvation. Yeah, it's awesome that we're saved, that we're not going to be judged for our sin. Our, our sin has already been judged at the cross, and we have eternity waiting for us because we know we're going to be in the presence of God. But do you, do you chew on this? That God knows everything about yourself, and he, he loves you, and even before you came to Christ, that now some of you are like angels. You didn't have that testimony where you were heathens like some of us others. But even in, he's, yeah. But how awesome is it? To be a child of God, who He sought us out. And he tells us, "Come to me, and I'll take care of your sin. Look to my son, you admit that you're a sinner and believe that I sent him to die on the cross, and believe that his blood was shed. For me. See, we, we can get all tied up in what righteousness means and, and, and different things mean redemption. But just to chew on the fact that God loves us and he did something to prove his love and then he invites us into the kingdom of God and then we live in this whole other realm that's Spiritual. And there's so many people out there looking for that thing, that someone to fulfill, but only God can fill. You think of all the different religions in the world striving to please God in some way, somehow. And yet the truth, the truth, thy word is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What life? The life that God desires. Man, when we chew on that and, and stop and pause, and it leads to worship. It leads to praise. It's treasure. And not just for ourselves, but for one another as, as a body of Christ. I mean, don't you chuckle sometimes that in these days that we're living in? I remember when we first started talking about when the Lord was stirring things up, the conversations that we had, are you kidding me? It started turning crazy. Yeah, we were crazy enough to say yes. (laughs) But it's a God thing. Just like it was when you got saved, that very moment that you confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the amazing thing is, is that we we don't have it all together. We don't know the whole Bible, but we walk with him. We walk with him, and we learn from him. He gives these parables about the kingdom of God, and then we chew on them, and you know how we really learn the parables? By experience. Experiencing the wonderful grace of God. Now, it really is totally amazing, the mystery of the church that Paul talks about, how it, it's been revealed now. And what, what God has in store for his church. That's exciting. I mean, don't you have to agree, there's a little bit of flesh in you, right? Please somebody say yes. How am I the only one? I mean, I know we're going to, when we're taken out of this world, it's a twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen so fast, but I just, I got enough flesh in me saying, I want to look down and say, yes. And that's pretty fleshy. Because Jesus, see, I caught myself here. The Lord doesn't do that. You know how we're going to gain victory in this world by the lost? We already got victory through the cross. But to win the culture is to be Jesus. We can't use the excuse that we're living in these last days and it's hard. Nothing's changed since 2,000 years ago. There's a lot happening. We're closer to him coming for his church. We talked about this on our vacation. There's the lie. There's truth. There's light. There's darkness. That's always been. God calls us to live as light. Now, Back to this parable, the key to understanding this parable is the mustard seed, meaning here, it, the birds of the air. The birds of the air connects with the birds that Jesus talked about in the parable of the soils, the birds that come, which is Satan taking away the seed, the word of God. The birds remove it from people's lives. And the pair of the soil, remember, Jesus mentioned Satan is the one who comes and he takes away the seed. And I'm sure you know people. Yes, they may even made a profession of faith. The the word of God is given, the gospel is given, and then it comes, and, and then Satan comes and just takes it away. The implication here is that the abnormal growth of the kingdom provides an opportunity for false teachers to come in. I know this can be debated, but I believe this is the interpretation that The abnormal growth leads to the opportunity of false teachers to come in and take away the word of God. You know, the church looks bigger and bigger and bigger, but not being the real church. And we certainly are living in those days where the the false teaching has led so many astray. And we know that's from leaving the word of God. Jesus said, the word of God, abide in his word, and the word will set you free. And we have to believe that when we share it. That we don't, you know, you don't need to go to 12 steps. You don't need to go do this or that. You don't need a program. You, you need the word of God. Because we can count on the word of God telling us the truth about God, number one, and then he's going to tell, the word tells the truth about us. And then Jesus, then it says here, verse 33, And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. I highlighted that in my Bible this week. I love this. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. And I wrote in my Bible, and I wrote the word unique. Again, this is about treasuring the church, treasuring our relationship with God, treasuring that word as a disciple. If you could picture Jesus sharing these parables and the disciples listening, and then they get alone with Jesus, they get the explanation. And how important it is for you and I to get alone with Jesus. Alone, as in one-on-one, but also as discipleship groups. Getting into the Word of God. We've always seen the importance of taking heed the Word of God and growing. And we're going to talk a lot more about growing spiritually as we go through the Gospel of Mark. But how important it is to be part of a discipleship group. What's a discipleship group? Well, where a group of disciples meet to get into the Word to the Lord about the Kingdom of God. You can't grow without being in a discipleship group, whatever that looks like. We can't grow by living life isolated and separated. God didn't create us that way. He creates the church to be unique. And you see this wonderful picture here. When they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Have you ever sat alone with the Lord and then he reveals something to you and you think it's all new and then you realize it's nothing new but you just you got eyes to see? You think like you just, it's, it's amazing. And God speaks through his word. Now, with this, if you, let's close with this. Uh, John chapter 17. This connects with the disciples being alone with Jesus. The body of Christ, the church, is so unique and so powerful. Look what you remember in John 17, the high priest prayer of Jesus, and in verse 20, we see that he, he prays for all believers. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, when you chew on that, you understand that Jesus is praying to our Heavenly Father here. And he's saying, I'm not praying just for these disciples. I'm praying for all those who would ever hear the word, their word. Well, who's he referring to? He's, We're included here. So when you chew on that, this counters the lies of Satan. Who does Satan lie about? Well, he lies about God and he lies about you as a believer. You're not worthless you're blessed and highly favored. This is one of those verses that just like kicks the enemy right in the, right in the nose. And then he continued, he said, that they may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. We don't have to try to become one as a body of Christ with with the Lord. We we already are one with the Lord. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfect, made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory for which you have given me. For you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you that these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and we will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. You think back a year ago, Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship had its first service. But it's interesting to think that the Lord knew before the foundation of the world. And that in itself is pretty wild. But He knew. And if there's one testimony, I know I've shared this many times. If there's one testimony... That I hear from visitors, I don't know if there's any visitors here today, but one testimony I hear often is the unity that is felt here. That's not something that we came up with, that wasn't in the, the mission of the church handbook. It certainly is in the handbook, but you can't do that on your own. It's a work of God, it's a work of the Spirit. And it can only happen when our eyes are on him and we allow him to work through us and the results are in his hands. This unity is something that we can never take for granted. The love that we have for one another comes from the love that God has for us, the love that we have for him. We can't take it for granted. These parables are so fresh and instruction for us to live in these last days. To be true light. And again, we can only be true light if we're connected to Him. To be light to the world is to allow the kingdom of God flow through us, Jesus, flow through us unto others. And We have to pray and pray and pray and keep our eyes on the Lord. It's interesting when you think about the disciples being alone with the Lord here. They didn't know a a small amount of what we know. Obviously, we're on the other side of the cross. But they walk by faith, and the Lord desires for us to walk by faith. Amen? So let's keep pressing on, pressing in, seeking the Lord. I just pray the Holy Spirit will... Shine these parables into your heart and bring more understanding. It's a wonderful thing to be a child of God, to be pointed to the Word of God, where we learn about the one who created this whole universe, the one who's loved us and demonstrated that love, the one who's given us so many wonderful, precious promises, and to know one day we're going to be with Him for eternity. Amen. And we have the blessed responsibility of going and sharing sowing the seed, believing the truth, living the truth, to a lost generation. It's our mission. I pray this would be our passion. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's, it's been a wonderful year. It's hard to believe a year has gone by, but Lord, we're, we don't want to look back. We want to look forward and see that your hand is upon us, Lord. We, we pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to bring us the truth of your word as we learn these parables and we learn of what true discipleship is and maybe we need to be renewed, Lord, and following you and um, trusting that you will make us fishers of men. You'll make us into the man that you want us to be. You'll make us into the women that you want us to be, Lord. And I, and I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open, uh, saying yes, Lord, to however you may be leading. And Father, knowing that uh, the mystery is certainly a treasure to be in the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, you are our king, and we love you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com. That's Pastor Jim Swigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is calvarychapelfaithfellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.